you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hi everybody i hope you're well i'm so glad you're able to join me for another week of our podcast before i dig in because we have gotten lots of amazing letters i have so much amazing design advice to share with you Before I launch into all of that, I just want to stop and celebrate. Oh my gosh, I always forget to celebrate, whether it's selling my house for 150K over ask, whether it's being in business for almost 17 years, or whether it's podcasting for seven years, I forget to stop, breathe, and say, hey, I just hit a big milestone. And my milestone right now is the last one I mentioned. Well, of course, they're all milestones, but the one I want to celebrate with you guys is the seventh year of podcasting. Can you believe it? Well over 300 episodes, so many bonus episodes, an amazing tribe of premium members, all of you devoted listeners. I'm so grateful for you all. And I'm grateful to still be on the air, you guys providing me with so much inspiration via your questions, your pictures, your scenarios. It never gets boring for me, and hopefully it doesn't for you either. So you guys might be asking yourselves, Betsy, what do you want for your birthday? Betsy, for this amazing seven-year anniversary, what can we give you to celebrate? Well, there's two things, guys, two things. You can Go online, wherever you listen to this podcast, be it Spotify or Apple or Google Play, and you can leave us a review. That's absolutely the best way to show me that you're enjoying the content because I read every single review. It's also a great way to help others to find the podcast because when they see a podcast with lots of reviews, they want to listen to. And also the algorithm, whoever's behind that. Uh the more reviews you get, the more visibility you get. So that would be the very best way to help out. Another amazing way to show us some love is to become a premium member. Premium members not only get access to a fresh episode that's just for them every month, they also have their own premium mailbag where they can write in and their questions are answered lickety split. 
And additionally, they have the archives of all of our past episodes. So I think there's well over 75 in there just waiting for you to listen to. If you've exhausted all the episodes on our regular podcast channel, well, then become a premium member to get so, 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 so much more. And in the premium bonus episodes, I share slightly more personal stories because it's not going out to the public. It stays on that special private channel for only the premium listeners. So you'll hear more about what I'm going through, how I'm designing for clients, all of that. Uh, Yeah. So those are the ways that you can show us some love on our big birthday slash anniversary slash celebration. And I think what I'm going to do is after I record, I'm going to call the local wine shop and have them deliver some sparkling rosé as well as a case of red and case of white because I'm low, but I definitely don't have anything sparkling that I can celebrate with. And I think tonight is a celebration because actually our seventh anniversary or birthday happened sometime in March. I don't even keep track and I missed it. I missed it, but we can take a little time to celebrate right now. So thanks to you all. I'm still just as in love with podcasting as when I started, and I have to owe a little bit of that in this celebration to our amazing podcast producer, Catherine Heller of The Podcast Shop. Without her inspiring me, I basically followed in her footsteps because I loved her podcasts so much. Tell the bartenders, struggle boss. If you haven't listened to those, make sure you go check them out. But also, she gave me the faith that I could do it. She told me, Betsy, I'll help you. I'll produce everything. You just talk about the stuff you love to talk about. And eventually, it will become second nature. And you're doing such a good job along the way. She gave me so much encouragement. Because when you're just recording in a room all by yourself, it can be not only lonely, but also difficult to tell if you're even resonating with people. Am I doing a good job? Are people liking this? Is this content that's making a difference? I don't know. And so each step of the way, Catherine has been so encouraging. And Catherine, can you believe it? Seven years. You know, we're going out to lunch tomorrow, Catherine, and I am totally picking up the tab. All right. Without further ado, let's segue and let's get to some of your questions. So reaching in the mailbag here, the first question comes from Nebraska and it's from Sarah. Sarah writes, hi, Betsy, I'm looking to add some art to my home. While I Googled modern interior design, I find myself in awe of the way designers seamlessly weave in sculptures or paintings. Do you have any tips on how to do this? What scenarios are sculptures better or worse to incorporate in a design than paintings? Attached are some styles of sculpture that I plan on including in my future design projects. Well, Sarah, thanks for sending those in. Guys, if you're wanting to look at the pictures that Sarah has sent in, you'll want to go to our YouTube channel, which is called Affordable Interior Design. There you'll see a video of this episode as well as pictures from the people who've written in. But for those of you just listening, let me describe it to you. So the first sculpture that Sarah sent in is probably, well, in and of itself, it's probably between three and four feet high. It looks almost like a ribbon of very shiny polished gold uh, that is on a black pedestal. So altogether, I would say it's probably between five and seven feet high. 
because the pedestal is quite tall. And I love it. I mean, I love the shiny aspect that's almost a reflective surface, like a mirror. I love the movement and the curves because it's in this hallway that has a lot of rectangular moldings and doorway openings. So these curving lines really break up the moldings and the trim. I love that it adds a pop of metallic in this space that has a lot of stone, marble, gray walls, white trim that can feel sort of cold. And this beautiful ribbon of gold really warms up the space and enlivens it. This ribbon type sculpture almost looks like it's moving right in front of my eyes. Uh, The thing I love about sculptures is that they're kind of special tchotchkes, right? They are things that don't really do anything. They don't typically serve a purpose, but they're that visual interest. So unlike a painting that can help fill an empty wall, a sculpture is just a thing that can fill an empty surface or shelf, or in this case, floor space, right? The other sculpture that Sarah sent in is one that would rest on a tabletop or a console. It's like a bronze sculpture, again, dealing with the curving lines, again, having a black type rectilinear base. But this one is, of course, much smaller, almost makes like a teardrop shape. This one is more easy to incorporate because it's smaller. You can put it on a surface rather than having to put it on the floor. The thing I love about a sculpture or sculptural objects in general is it's something unexpected. And of course, the bigger it is, the more wow factor it has. And I love combining the ideas of sculpture and art too with sculptural wall art right? Some 3D art, something dimensional that you're hanging on the wall that ultimately can lay somewhat flat so that it can be adhered to a wall, but pops out from that 2D surface and has kind of this fluctuation. And maybe even when a light is turned on, casts some interesting shadows. Uh, Sculptures are tricky because finding unique sculptures can be very expensive. It can also be hard to ship these big, bulky, heavy things, and it can be hard to find something that doesn't feel played out. You know, if you're going to home goods for a sculpture, you're probably not going to find anything very luxe or sophisticated looking. That's why art is just easier, right? There's lots of places to get it. It doesn't have to be very heavy. If it is a large piece, it can roll up when it ships. Of course, you know, framing or mounting it or stretching it on canvas can add to the price, but there's just so much more you can find. And of course, different shapes, different sizes and better price points typically. Now, the thing I like about using paintings or 2D art is that you can use it as an inspiration piece. It can have a lot of color, right, inside one frame, and you can just pick out two or three colors to use as the color palette for the entire room. Sculptures typically aren't that colorful, even though some certainly are, but sculptures typically wouldn't be your inspiration piece. Rather, they need to be cohesive with the rest of the room. So Sarah, these two pieces that you showed me, one in bronze and one in gold, they aren't giving the room a color palette, but they need to work with the metal finish you've decided for the room. So for instance, if you're using all silvers or cool metals in a space, I would not want you to be using that big gold sculpture. 
I think it will feel really out of place in a scenario where there's a lot of cool metals being used. For the bronze, bronze is a very flexible metal in terms of dark metals can mix with either warm or cool metals. And of course, dark metals can stand alone. So I think you'll find more versatility with this smaller sculpture, sculpture, not only because of the size and shape, but also due to the metal finish. Sarah, I hope that's helped. I hope that's given you some clarity. You know, whenever people can't afford sculptures or don't see one that they're drawn to or something like that, the other thing I remind people is that Lamp bases, whether it's a floor lamp or a table lamp, can be really interesting, sometimes just as interesting as a sculpture. And then a lamp lights itself up, so it draws attention to itself. So you're really staring at this illuminated sculpture if you choose something that's, you know, outside of just the um, column type structure, right? Uh, a lot of us are afraid to pony up in terms of price or even giving some of our surface real estate to a sculpture. So a lamp is a perfectly safe way to try this new sculptural idea. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, let's dig in and get my next question from the mailbag, which comes from Bailey. Bailey's writing from coastal North Carolina, and she says, Betsy, where do you recommend looking for natural rugs and what materials do you suggest for a family with a two-year-old? Do you prefer jute, sisal? I'm wanting to purchase a large rug, larger than eight by 10 for our great room. All right, Bailey, here we go. You can't handle the truth, I think with somebody who is crawling, somebody who's falling a lot, somebody who may have exposed skin on the rug, like a little one, right? Whether they're crawling and their knees are on it or their hands, I would not use a natural fiber rug at all in those areas. Natural fibers like jute and sisal tend to break off. They tend to be a little scratchy, almost like a loofah. They tend to have small basket-like fibers that can easily penetrate skin or scratch, you know, that little delicate baby flesh. We don't want to be doing that, right? I would recommend some kind of synthetic or natural texture rug 
with a little one crawling around. I love jute and sisal for a beach house, for a lake house, a place where maybe a lot of sand is coming in, a lot of dirt. People aren't always remembering to take off their shoes. I love the durability. You know, people often use jute or sisal in a sunroom or even in an outdoor space because it is durable with the elements, but it's not soft. It's not plush. It's not comfortable to play on. I wouldn't sit on it in my bathing suit and like make a puzzle with my baby. I just wouldn't use this material in that way. And I would imagine in your great room, you want to be playing on the floor. You want your baby to be crawling around. So look for something acrylic, look for something wool, look for a blend. And I would highly recommend that you go touch it, right? With most rugs, in most applications, I don't feel like you have to sit on them or touch them in advance. But if you're going to be playing on the rug for extended periods of time, stop me if you've heard this one. Stop me if you've heard it. But when I had new little babies, I got a rug off of Overstock because of the price point. I didn't want to splurge. And I got a wool rug because uh, I just really loved the pattern. Well, I had these little babies in their onesies on the wool rug with their legs and arms totally exposed. And I was down there playing with them and I would pick them up and their skin would be all red. And I'm like, what is this? And it was because just like with a wool sweater, sometimes 100% wool rugs can chafe. They can be uncomfortable and less fun to play on. So very quickly, I realized that was not the rug for us, rolled it up and gave it away, and instead looked for something that was a blend of both wool and a synthetic, so it had a softer feel. This is not going to be the be-all end-all rug. This is not the rug that you want to spend a lot of money on due to spills, spitting up, little ones being little. Uh, so think about it in that context when you're looking to invest in a new rug for your great room space. Bailey, let us know what you choose. I'm very curious and I really hope that helped. Let's go to my last question for today, which comes all the way from Los Angeles, California. And Betty is writing to Betsy. Hi, Betty. Betty writes, I love the podcast. I was wondering what your thoughts are on slightly out there statement chandeliers. In theory, I love them, but I also struggle to imagine these dramatic chandeliers in my home. And Betty included a picture of a large, almost dandelion-looking chandelier. It has a Sputnik in the center, which is kind of a round globe that has projections off of it, little rectangular or cylindrical, in this case, projections that have small light bulbs. But all around the Sputnik, branching off in little tiny bursts, are these thin wires that have these small crystal balls on them. So that's what's giving me this dandelion effect are these small um, wires with the crystals. I love a statement chandelier. As you heard me say before, Betty, with the listener's question earlier, this could be like a sculpture right? That lights itself up, that draws attention to itself. I think of a chandelier as a really cool sculpture. And you can take risks. You can do something dramatic. You can make a bold choice. I'm all for it. The thing you want to keep in mind is that your chandelier is not going to be to everyone's tastes. So you want to make sure that this statement piece is for you, just like with any art, 
it's very subjective. And finding the right piece should be a matter not only of what you really love, but also of the space. There are mathematical equations to keep in mind when selecting a chandelier. So I have this sort of list of numbers to keep in mind that I'm going to share with you now, Betty, in the hopes that it will help you to narrow your choices as you're choosing the perfect chandelier for your space. So the first thing is, and this is a guideline that's a designer standard that I don't always follow, but when choosing the size of light fixture for your room, you take the length of the room and the width of your room, add them together in feet, and that's roughly the diameter of the fixture that you should be getting. So for instance, if you had a 12-foot room by 12-foot, you add 12 and 12 together, and you need a 24-inch diameter chandelier for that room or diameter flush mount, right? Uh, I find that sometimes it's hard to get the size that that equation yields. So you may want to think about actually the zone that you're trying to illuminate and narrow it down because especially if it's an open living dining concept space, you'll only want to measure the area that the chandelier is going to be in. If there's a chandelier in the main living space and then a flush mount in the dining area, then you're kind of dividing the room into two zones and that would impact that measurement. Then in terms of height, now this is another designer rule, but you're supposed to do three inches in height for every foot in your room. So for instance, if your ceilings are eight feet high, your chandelier should be 24 inches tall because you're going to times eight by three. Now, again, I don't always follow that either. Um, just something to keep in mind, but these are some designer guidelines from like the rule book right? Now here's one I definitely follow. When you're hanging a chandelier above a dining table, from the top of the table to the bottom of the chandelier should be 30 to 36 inches. So many times I see, almost all the time I see, people hanging their chandeliers way too high. And then you want to make sure that the width of your table, say it's 36, you want the chandelier to be a foot under that. So your chandelier should not exceed 24 inches because you don't want people hitting their head or hitting their face when they're getting up from the dining table. Above a kitchen island, your pendants or mini chandeliers should also be 30 to 36 inches from the top of the island to the bottom of the fixture. And typically you hang the pendant lights or the mini chandeliers 30 inches apart from each other. So from the center of one to the center of the other, you want to leave at least 30 inches. So there's a few general guidelines, best practices for hanging your chandelier. Betty, I cannot wait to hear what you choose. The great thing about light fixtures is you can find them at so many different places, at so many different price points. There's a ton of knockoffs. So even if you found that aspirational chandelier room and board or restoration hardware, you can definitely find something similar just by doing a Google image search. So I highly recommend Google image search because there are so many light fixtures to choose from and there's lots of stores that do a very good job. So make sure you hunt far and wide and let us know what you choose. Keep us posted at affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Everybody, it's been so great talking to you once again. I'm going to go off and celebrate and drink my sparkling rosé wine. And I hope you'll have a glass of wine and toast to us and this podcast and to your listenership. I wouldn't be here without you. Until next week, guys. Bye. Thank you.
it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.